I'm delighted to be joined now by Kathleen McNamee from ESPN to discuss the Ireland women's team, their recent qualifier. They lost 3-0 to Germany. There's no shame in that. Germany are probably the best team in Europe at the moment. They're arguably the best team in the world, uh, along with the, the women's US team. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, no problem. We had hoped to discuss the women's team before the qualifier against Germany, but time and life just kind of got away from us. But losing 3-0 to probably, as we say, the best team in Europe right now, there's nothing to be ashamed from the result. What do you think the team learned from the game? Well, like you said, definitely nothing to be ashamed of. And I think Vera Pod very much said before the game that this wasn't one that she was going into expecting a win. Um, I think everyone kind of went into it hoping that we could keep our score down. You know, Germany have 37 goals from six games at this rate. They're absolute machines. I think what, and what very much Vera Pod said after the game, what we learned in the match was how to play Germany. Um, so she made the point that, like, obviously the first half, Ireland weren't really getting the ball we let in three goals it was it was actually quite painful to watch you know you were kind of looking at it going how are we going to have the legs to sustain a second half against this team but the Irish side that came out in the second half was very different you know we were still very much on the back foot but our defending was a lot clearer there was a few more chances not so much necessarily on goal but there is definitely a few more breaks up the pitch with Denise O'Sullivan and Rihanna Darish and Katie McCabe those trio those are kind of the trio you want to get the ball and um, for any Irish attack so I think what we learned from it is that we can play a team like Germany and not necessarily concede a lot of goals any other team they've played they've put eight past Ukraine, you know, they put 10 past Montenegro. They were massive scorelines, whereas what we had was a very respectable scoreline considering who we were playing and the level of quality. You look at Germany's team and it's just incomparable, really, to the Irish side. You have players in there like Pop, Huth, Hendrik, they've all won the double with Wolfsburg. You also have Deb Britz from PSG, you know, all of those women are competing in the Champions League at a very high level. Uh, Leah Schiller, who did actually score, she has a goal every two games, I think it is, for her entire international career. And she started when she was 19. And even Jennifer Marazan, who also scored, you saw tonight she won the Champions League award for best midfielder in the whole competition. So, you know, the level of players we were up against and the quality there was extremely good. And I think everyone was quite happy to come out of it the other side with a very respectable scoreline. Yeah, Germany have scored at least three goals in every other game so far. Montenegro away, that's the the only other time in the group where they've only scored three. They've yet to concede and obviously yet to lose or draw in the group. So I think when the draw was first made, the expectation was that they would run away with it, and they are, and that we were playing for second spot and hopefully get into the championships for the first time as one of the three best runners up. Now, in the current rankings, we're fourth, just behind Iceland on, on goal difference, with Italy ahead of them on 15 points. Unfortunately, they both have a, a game in hand on us, and we still have to face Germany in our final qualifier. So it does make the next qualifier away to Ukraine an absolute must win uh, if we're to qualify for the rearranged finals in England in 2022. How do you think things are going to go in Kiev? 
I mean, I think we could be very optimistic going into that match. When we faced Ukraine the last time, obviously we won 3-2, but we did let the game get away with us a bit. Um, even Vera Paul said it afterwards. And to be fair, she had just joined, you know, it was only a couple of weeks into her tenure as manager. So it was a very different setup to the one that we're going into now. But I think what we really struggle with is consistency as a team. So when we played Ukraine the first time, we absolutely dominated the first half. It was you know, 2-0, we did really well and we conceded two goals and then we only won because they scored an own goal. And then we had the Germany game where obviously we were absolutely dominated for the first half and then we came back in the second half. So I think what the team will really be looking to do is to bring some consistency into our play, to be set up defensively strong from the start, to not be like cornered in the back of the pitch. But also we have to, looking at like Ukraine's games against Germany, Germany beat them 8-0 twice whereas we were able to go to Germany and get a 3-0 result. So I think that alone as well is quite optimistic for Ireland. One of the things I would be concerned about is just like the level of games that our players are going to have between now and the next game against Ukraine. So obviously you have players like Kaney McCabe playing WSL and FA Cup. So she, even this week alone, she'll have played Spurs on at the weekend, then Man City tonight, and then she's playing again in the Women's Super League at the weekend. So I think it's really important that those players are looked after and like that they are looking as well to the international games and thinking, right, well, we need to have some sort of legs left in us. But I do think it was especially for me I wasn't really expecting us to be able to physically handle Germany in that second half but we did come out and we were able to defend but I think Vera Paul especially will be looking not to be having to put all her players behind the ball for the full 90 minutes when we meet Ukraine like when any time we got a ball or the chance to break against Germany, there was no one to pass the ball to. You know, Stephanie Roach said it on commentary that there was a few long balls floated up to Rihanna Jarrett, but they didn't really make any difference because she had two German defenders on her. And as good as she is, she's never going to be able to like get past two German defenders by herself. So I think what we see going into this Ukraine match is we need goals and we need to keep a clean sheet. And I think despite the fact that Ukraine actually are like they're ranked higher than us in the standings I think we've shown that we do have the quality of player to get past them I know I said before about Germany and their quality like they obviously have an insane squad but we actually do have quite a lot of very high performing players as well you know you look at someone like Denise O'Sullivan who's absolutely key to a lot of the things we do when she was over in the NWSL in the US with North Carolina Courage She's playing with the US women's national team players and they're the likes of Crystal Dunn, Sam Mewis, who's now with City for the season. You know, they would call her the beating heart of the team. They would say, you know, she's one of the best people that they've ever played with, which, you know, to be getting that sort of praise from that caliber of player, you know, people who have gone and won World Cups. It's insane for Ireland to have that sort of player on our team. So I think we'll really be looking to those sort of leaders. Again, Katie McCabe has just been such a stalwart for Arsenal in recent seasons and for Ireland. And I think one player as well that really impressed me during the Germany game was actually Leanne Kiernan and the way she was doing lots of runs up along the wings. Like she was single-handedly taking the ball from one side of the pitch to the other. And the only issue was there was no one for her to pass to when she got to that final third. So I think, you know, utilising that sort of talent, utilising those areas where we are really strong 
we definitely have a chance against Ukraine. And like you said, it's so important for our goal difference and for our general standings to get those goals and keep the clean sheet. That second half against Germany was actually the first half of football in the qualifying tournament so far where Germany didn't score. So if we can continue that into the game against Ukraine, we've definitely got a chance. The two goals that they scored against us was the most that any team has scored against us until we faced Germany. And if you if you look at their goal scoring record, they've scored in every game apart from the, the 8-0 drubbing by Germany. So it's got definitely going to be an interesting contest between the second and third best side in the group so far. You mentioned Denise O'Sullivan there, and she's moved to Brighton on loan till the end of the year after playing in the restart tournament in the US. Unfortunately, the North Carolina Courage went out very early in the tournament. Do you think that's with a view to these games? Playing regularly was a factor in the move. I mean, it'll obviously improve her, her the amount of game time that she gets uh, and her overall fitness. Definitely. I've talked to quite a few of the American players that have come over for this season, the likes of Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Sam Ewis, Rose Lavelle. And they all say like the reason they came over is because of the fact that they will have consistent football in England, whereas that wasn't necessarily on the cards in America when they all came over. And I think with Denise O'Sullivan, she's going into a really exciting setup in Brighton. You know, you have Hope Powell there, who's obviously like a pretty legendary figure in the English football after taking England women for so many years. And what they're doing there for me is quite clever the way they're building. You know, they're not necessarily going out and buying all-star players like Denise is an all-star player but she's not necessarily that well known because I think a lot of the work she does is the hard work in the middle of the pitch that doesn't get the glory of you know going out and scoring goals every week so I think it's really nice that she's going to be there and also obviously she's going to be with Rihanna Jarrett so they're going to be working together. They're going to be developing their partnership even more, which is also really important. And Megan Connolly is there as well. So, like, it's really exciting to see all those Irish players being able to have the opportunity to play together in a club setting and not just come together whenever they're playing for Ireland. Because we've seen it so many times with so many teams. Like, the reason teams like Germany play so well is because 15 of the team all play together in Bayern Munich and the majority of the rest come from say Wolfsburg you know that being able to compete with your international teammates at the club level and then also on the international stage is really important for development. I thought it was interesting that during the transfer window there's been a lot of women's players moving from the US to the Women's Super League. Do you think that the number of moves that happened kind of signifies that the best setup for women's football is moving from the US to to Europe now? Yeah, I think possibly with the Americans coming over, it's not as much a signal that the... I would say Europe is definitely growing more as a place for more footballers just because there's more variety there if you look at the makeup of a lot of the American teams it's very much Americans and then also Australians because the way the it works with the W League in Australia and then the season in America they tie in quite well so you can play your season in America and then go back and play a season in Australia and actually interestingly a couple of Australian players I talked to that have moved to England said one of the draws for them was the fact that you have a proper on season and off season for me, a greater sign of the league in England and and in Europe in general and how good it is, is 
players like Perniel Harder, Sam Kerr, Vivian Miedema, like where they move, because I think that the US players coming over this season in particular is very much as a result of the coronavirus pandemic and how things have unfolded in the States, rather than it necessarily being that Europe and especially England is the place to be at the moment. I think it's interesting when you look up at, or when you look at the teams that have actually taken in those US players, Arsenal and Chelsea have very much stayed away from it and they would be considered one of the top three alongside Manchester City and they very much stayed away from signing those big players and they have more concentrated on taking in other European so obviously Chelsea have Perniel Harder came in which was an absolutely massive one for them to get Sam Kerr from Australia who's again an incredible player and then you have the likes of Manchester City, Man United and Tottenham who have decided to take in the Americans for one year. I'm not entirely convinced as to what long term it will achieve for those clubs having those US women's national players here. I think it'll be it's a really great boost for the league because obviously they come with such massive names and I think they will hopefully be able to bring a bit more competitiveness because the league is getting a little bit top heavy in terms of the better players. But I think in terms of a long-term projection, if we weren't going through the global situation of a pandemic right now, those players probably wouldn't come. And that's just because of the way that the US Soccer Federation has set things up. So I think tracking the movement of players like Harder is much more interesting than tracking those US players who are just coming, I think, to play football consistently and in a safer environment than necessarily play in the absolute best league in the world. If we look at the makeup of the Ireland squad, the home base players coming from Piemont and Shelburne and Wexford Utes, but and I think this is a, a, a star contrast to the, to the men's team. The players that are based outside Ireland are coming from all across Europe. You've Marie Horahan, who's in Portugal. Uh, Louise Quinn has recently moved to Italy to play with Fiorentina. Dan Caldwell is with SC Sand. Why do you think so many of the players are going all across Europe as compared to the men, who the vast majority are all playing in England or in Scotland? I think it's interesting because I think there's less of a immediate connection for women's footballers to England. You know, I think if you're looking at the men's game, there's always been a very traditional path. You know, you you start in the League of Ireland and then you get the attention of clubs in England or you go and you try your academy time over there or whatever it might be. Whereas because the women's game is still very much developing here, there is less of that traditional path. And I would even say because the game is still developing in other parts of the world as well. And I think I really like the fact that we have more of our Irish team going to different countries because I think it gives us a better insight whenever we're actually coming up against teams like Germany. So I think Dan Caldwell talked about it before we played Germany because obviously she plays against a lot of those players in the league and she was talking about the fact that she was able to go to the other girls in the squad and say okay right well here is what I know from playing against those people which we don't necessarily always have with the men's team because there is such a focus on England and that as a route for players I also think like again because the women's league is still developing here there's just so much potential to bring it to great places. You know, I think it was Sinead Kassam was writing about it just before the Germany game. And she was talking about the fact that a few years ago, you know, the national team 
were still fighting to get tracksuits or the famous incident where they had to change in an airport into their tracksuits and stuff. And I think she was making the point that we have come so far with regards to the national team in the squad, but until we have that same sort of investment in the league, we're not really going to develop as a team and we're not going to develop as a footballing nation. And I know this is something that like Ireland has struggled with for years. We've seen it with the League of Ireland. It's not necessarily anything new, but until that happens, we are going to keep sending players abroad. But I think if we have the option between sending them to just England or sending them around Europe it's much more interesting for us as a national side to have players dotted around Europe you look at the players in the Frauen Bundesliga like it's one of the most interesting leagues I think from the women's side especially just in terms of how it's treated and um, it was the only league to actually go ahead after football shut down in March because of the coronavirus pandemic and that was because of funding from the men's side so I think it's really good to have our players out there and experiencing different leagues and different ways of doing things and then coming back here and hopefully using that experience not only to progress the team on the pitch but also to progress it behind the scenes as well. Yeah and it's something we've discussed before that because so many of our players are all based in England it leads to this kind of group think that we have to play the way that English teams play and Sometimes it leads to an overdevelopment of the same kind of player or the same kind of tactics. And when someone comes along, like Jack Byrne in League of Ireland right now, we don't know how to integrate him into the side. And with the amount of, of the Ireland women's team that are playing all around Europe, they're used to playing with players with a different mindset, a different approach to the game and uh, different abilities. One of the central tenets of game theory is that if you want to become better, you play against players who are better than you. I mean, I think, uh, I think it's from chess is basically um, you play against someone who's better than you to make yourself a better player. Whereas because the men's team tend to play against and with the same kind of players, they just kind of stay the same kind of player. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100%. I definitely agree with you. And it's even, it's something Vera Paul said after the game, like I was saying earlier, that we didn't know how to play Germany until we got on the pitch and played 45 minutes against them and then we were she even said herself she was able to go into the dressing room and say okay well this is where we are failing I mean there was a lot of areas to point to that we were failing in in that first half but we saw we were able to react and adapt to it which is it's good to be see a team that is actually able to react and adapt and I think that's one of the really exciting things that comes with Vera being our manager now because she has seen so much you know she's been in the coaching game in the Netherlands for so long and I think she strikes me as someone who is very realistic about Irish chances and she is very realistic about the team that she has in front of her but that doesn't also mean she doesn't believe in them and believe in the chance that they can actually qualify for like our first major tournament but if you look at her comments before every game and you compare them to what she says afterwards she is very much on the money a lot of the time with how she sets the team up of what the expectation is, how the team performs, and then says again after the game, that's what I thought would happen. So I think it is just one of those things where we need to keep developing the game here. We need to keep putting the money into grassroots and getting like young girls and young boys as well, because like 
League of Ireland has plenty of space to grow into the game. But I also don't think it's a bad thing in the long term if we do have more players going outside of, say, Ireland and England to progress their game or learn their football, even to the states and over to the college pathway there. Like that's a massive route for a lot of uh, young Irish, especially women. The US collegiate football system you know, a lot of players have come through it. Megan Campbell at Man City and Denise Sullivan. I don't know a lot about the setup there, but uh, um, from what I, I do understand, the majority of the money that goes into US college sports goes to, to male sports, to, to basketball, to American football, and to a lesser extent, baseball. So because those are traditionally seen as, as male sports, uh, a lot of the, the money that went into just setting up the women's sporting facilities at colleges went to soccer because of the success of the national side women soccer players in the u.s had a much higher profile and it was it was easier for girls going to college in the u.s to you know say oh i want to be like mia ham these were the role models and that continues to this day with the the success that the the u.s team are having definitely and there's a lot of i think well, like if you actually listen to the sort of work that happens and all the different pathways exist, like I think sometimes we say the American collegiate system and we count it as just like one big broad pathway, but it's actually not. There's all these other ones in it and it's it is quite set up leaning towards American players, obviously, because so much of what the American system is set up to do is to create the US women's national team and like the best team in the world, which they clearly do very successfully. But that doesn't mean that like international players going over can't necessarily benefit from it. I interviewed Janine Becky, who is a Canada international, and she is playing with Man City at the moment, but she used to be over in the NWSL with Houston Dash and Sky Blue. And, you know, she was talking about the fact that the system isn't really set up for other internationals to go over there and in the long term progress and do well. And that's why you don't really see a massive amount of European internationals going over there and staying over there. So you obviously had like Sam Kerr was there, but also she was there because she was going between the NWSL and the W League in Australia. So it's it's quite a good path, I think, for younger European players. But as they get older, it makes more sense and also like players just like being slightly closer to home. You know, if you're in Germany, Italy or Spain, it's a lot easier to get back to where you came from than if you're over in North America. It made a lot more sense for them to come here and start the professional careers here than it did to stay in the States. And I think WSL has this title of being the only fully professional league in Europe. But like, I don't think that's going to really last for that much longer. Um, I, there was an exclusive in the Telegraph yesterday saying that Sky Sports are going to take the WSL next season and show the games, which would be a massive boost. And I think when you start to see companies like that coming on board and pumping money into the league and sponsorship will obviously follow and well, hopefully follow anyways, um, when you see those sort of things start to happen, you start to wonder, will there be a lot more growth on the European side of things than there will be on the US side? Um, because I think they are going to find it difficult if the leagues start to take off here to attract that talent over there. But also then at all, a lot of the time as well, it comes down to things like money. We see you have um, Angel City setting up with all the Hollywood stars attached and, you know, if they decide to start 
pumping money into clubs, it, that could be as attractive for players as playing in a league where there's a lot of really good talent. I, I had heard about the deal uh, for Sky to take over the WSL and it would be a massive boost and obviously bring a lot of money into the game. But I think the the counter argument to it, and I've seen it in, in other sports as well, is that putting something behind the paywall immediately restricts your audience. And we see with the, the 20 by 20 campaign, you know, the, the, the motto is if you can't see, you can't be. I just wonder if taking the league away from from BBC or from public service broadcasting at the moment, would that possibly do more damage than good? I think obviously there is always the double-edged sword to these things. Personally, I feel like it's not getting enough free-to-air coverage at the moment for it to make a difference. I think that once it starts on something like Sky Sports, it makes it more accessible to, say, even places like pubs. So, like, if I walk into a bar tomorrow, I could ask for the Premier League to be put on, but now I can also ask for the Women's Super League to put on. Whereas if you're looking for them to put on a free-to-air channel like BBC or something, it might not necessarily happen. I think, for me, if women's football is going to take off and kind of get closer to where the men's game is, obviously that's going to take a while, it needs to be on the sort of channels that are dedicating resources to it. And I don't know if free-to-air TV will necessarily put the resources behind it that's needed at the moment. One of the major downfalls of women's sports coverage in general, and the thing that a lot of people talk about, is the lack of concise details about it. You know, if I want... It's something I find a lot whenever I'm writing about a certain... I'll go to look up stats. I want to know how many appearances they've had or how many assists or how many goals. Like, really simple basic things and there's no consistent information very often it's journalists keeping track themselves of that sort of information whereas I feel like if someone like Sky Sports takes on the league you're going to get a lot more of that consistent information because they're going to want it for their broadcasts whenever they're talking about it we even saw it recently enough with on a much like bigger scale, uh, the FIFA rankings came out and Megan Rapino was the top ranked women's player. And there was a lot of general, not anger, but just like discussion, say around like women's football journalists saying that it, you couldn't really have watched any games and ranked the players in the way they did. They were ranked much more in terms of their popularity and their notoriety rather than how they had actually played in the last year and Megan Rapino herself <laughs> to all her credit actually came out and she was like I I don't agree with these either like I don't think the person who wrote these actually watched that many games so I think that for me is one of the big things that I think having a big broadcaster on board will do it will create more resources that goes into stuff like getting facts right getting numbers right getting people on that actually analyze the game rather than talking about all the kind of sideline issues. You know, that's another massive thing for women's sport is we spend a lot of time talking about what's being done and what's not being done rather than just discussing what's happening on the pitch. We even saw it at the weekend, Arsenal and Spurs were playing and it was on BBC and at halftime, Alex Scott was discussing, he was great broadcaster, like absolutely love her but she was discussing at halftime the fact that like the players hadn't been 
posting about the game on social media to kind of, you know, get viewership up and to get people interested. And I think for me, like, I will know we have gotten to a good place when you don't have to talk about those things at halftime. Instead, you're just talking about who made the most runs or what the scores were or, you know, who is not performing as well as they ought to be. And I think the people who watch women's football and women's sport in general right now are quite dedicated to it and will continue to watch it. Whereas bringing it to a broadcaster like Sky kind of brings it to a new audience. And that's kind of what you want. You want people to start watching it and start picking it up and start recognizing the names. You mentioned the 2020 campaign, which has been incredible in Ireland for increasing awareness around our women's athletes and teams the reason it's been so successful is because you know the characters you know why it's a big deal when a player comes on in the 85th minute as like a last ditch Hail Mary attempt to score a goal or you know it's a big deal when someone makes a particular stop it's recognizing those characters and recognizing their stories and knowing what they're going to contribute to a game that's what makes sport exciting that's what makes you get invested in it like when Ireland's hockey did that run in the World Cup I don't know how many people in Ireland actually knew any of the names of that team but by the time the summer was over we were all shouting and screaming for them and I think you see the same thing with this Irish team in their Euro qualifiers you know there's an excitement around it Vera Paul has been very good at media appearances and getting out there there's this excitement and want for people to recognize the team and for people to know who the players are and to get behind them in the hopes that in the summer of 2022 we're all sitting waiting for them to roll out at Old Trafford or somewhere so I think for me that's what the Sky Sports deal would bring more than anything else but I do appreciate that there is that concern about losing elements if it goes off free to air but I also think that chances are free to air will still have stuff like there's still the continental cup there's still fa cup there are still plenty of other opportunities to watch these players on free channels that's a good point actually and something that i only recently learned was that the women's super league doesn't have a, a fantasy football game i was at a talk before with michael cox from zonal marking and he argued that the Premier League fantasy, fantasy football game was the reason why stats have become such a large part of uh, of football discussion now that before that nobody cared about assists really and then suddenly because you could earn points from players getting assists that kind of side of the game started to open up and then channels like Sky Sports News and, and ESPN brought over the similar discussions that you see on NFL or basketball games with things like touches of the ball, passes in, in the attacking third. If Sky are willing to put that much money behind the game, yeah, you could easily see those sort of discussions happening around the women's game as well. Yeah, definitely 100%. Like I know we had, ESPN had a rugby fantasy league for the Six Nations And it was actually the first time I'd ever taken part in a fantasy league. I hadn't really engaged in it all that much before I started working there. But it was just like the crack you have, you know, every week seeing who in the office is like top of the league, who has made some absolutely ridiculous decision and chucked some player in that turned out to be the best decision that anyone had made that week or 
I think it's really hard to, and I have found this when you're writing about players, to get people interested and also to be confident in what you're writing about when you don't have access to those sort of facts about a player. Um, It's like I was saying earlier, you know, I know we'll have got somewhere when we're just talking about the games but it's really hard to just talk about the games when you're not given the tools to do that and I think absolutely the creation of stuff like fantasy leagues and I mentioned the FIFA rankings earlier and while you know they weren't perfect it's still good to see them being done and we can work with imperfect systems but we can't work with nothing so even stuff like that even if it's not right it's still creating conversation it's still people going oh well I would have had Sam Kerr and Vivian Miedema higher than Megan Rapino, or US women are only there because they're big names, they're not actually great players or whatever it might be. I think having those sort of resources and whoever does eventually decide to put those sort of resources behind women's football will only reap the benefits in the long term. It might seem like a big outlay at the moment, but for me, I think the game is only going one way and that's up and that's and it's going to become more popular and anyone who gets on that boat early I think will only be to the betterment for it in like later years. Do you see the same type of growth happening with the the Women's League of Ireland here? The Men's League is slowly building. Um, I'd say most people know who their local team are and I would try to go to a couple of games a year and I don't know if they'll ever be as big as the rugby provincial sides. They mightn't even be as big as their local GAA teams, but there's definitely a hardcore support of League of Ireland fans. Do you think that the the Women's League can reach those sort of levels as well? I mean, I would love to see it happen. I'm just, I'm cautious at the moment with the way everything's been run. You know, it, it struggles with stuff like having a consistent sponsor, there's been like there's been obvious success stories out of the league you know you look at people like Stephanie Roach and you know when she was at Piemont and ended up going to you know the European awards with her goal and stuff things like that were great but I look at opportunities like that and I wonder where did we capitalize on that sort of exposure for the league or I think it's always going to be hard in Ireland while the League of Ireland is still struggling because there is always going to be a hierarchy. I I wish it wasn't that way, but I just know realistically that is how it is. So a lot of Irish football's focus will be on making sure that league survives. And I don't know if there necessarily is the same attention paid the other way. Um, I also think it even goes beyond that of just grassroots involvement where can young girls if they want to play where where do they go where is their local club you know you said about GA clubs I'd say people in every parish can point (laughs) to their local GA club and they know exactly where it is and where they're playing and who they're playing but I know like for me I actually don't know if I was a young girl and wanted to start playing in Sligo where would be the closest team I could go to I think there might be one about 20 minutes away but again I'm not entirely sure so I think it's like you said, it's building up that recognition, that support from early levels, and then also providing the resources as they keep going through the levels so that they can keep playing. I think in Ireland, a lot of the soccer is very centralised on 
urban areas and that's one of the difficulties that comes you know you see it especially with like the Dublin teams there is massive support for teams like Shamrock Rovers and Bows and stuff than there necessarily is in other parts of the country again Cork City it's urban area Dundalk Sligo it's going to be really hard for other clubs to keep that momentum and keep building unless the support is there and obviously like Irish football has come out of such a tumultuous turbulent year in general and then you have the added impact of the coronavirus pandemic I think you would need someone in there who is really passionate and really driven and very good at getting things done which I'm not necessarily sure we have at the moment but having said that I can only see stuff like the Irish national team doing well under Vera Paul as like an absolute benefit to the league because if they get to their first ever major international tournament like there's only going to be a ripple effect down on the amount of girls that want to play football the amount of people looking for clubs like they're people looking to like emulate their heroes and stuff so I think if we can manage to get through this European qualifying session it will benefit the league but I'm just I'm cautious about whether the will is there from the higher-ups to keep it going I know there's like some very dedicated people in the league itself but I'm just not sure if they have the support they need at the moment there's maybe even more writing on the result of the Ukraine game than we had imagined. As regards qualification, I mean, I remember the difference that qualification for Euro 88 and the victory over England had and then playing in the World Cup in Italia 90. Everyone I know went out and started kicking a ball around after every game. And and, and these were tournaments that happened on, on mainland Europe, which at the time was nowhere near as easy to get to as it is now. Whereas the the women's tournament is going to be in England. It's easy to get to from here. The time zone suits us. We could have a massive support at it. And the ripple effects, you know, will be felt at home. I don't know how many people started picking up a hockey stick after the women's team got to the final, but I can only imagine it was good for the game. And football in this country has a, a high enough profile that if we see Irish women performing and competing at an international level it's only going to result in in more people playing the game yeah 100 percent and the only pitfall in that is if we have a situation like the irish rugby team where we had several years of like very like big achievements for irish women's rugby that were just kind of left to flounder they weren't really picked up on um and we see it now i think it was fiona steed was talking today in RT about the fact that she doesn't see you know women's rugby in ireland becoming professional in the near future whereas like five six years ago we were coming out and doing incredible things like winning grand slams and beating the all blacks so you know where where did it get left in limbo and all that and i do think especially with the national side we are going in the right direction you know for me, the appointment of someone like Vera Paul was very much a statement. And even if you looked before the Germany game, the team were like training and they were wearing black 2020 warm up jerseys and stuff. So I think there's a lot of the kind of ingredients there for hopefully 
a building and a continuation of the track we're currently on but it's also hard to look at the history of how the women's team has been treated and feel entirely convinced that we're definitely going to go down the right way but I am hopeful I think there are more people aware of the team there are more people aware of the players and I don't think that anyone is necessarily going to get away with sweeping them under the rug as may have happened in the past yeah I think Stephanie Roach is probably the most highest profile uh, Ireland women's player certainly the most recognized but in the last kind of five years players like Louise Quinn and Katie McCabe and the manager herself Vera Powell are definitely seen more on TV you know they're part of the RTE's soccer coverage and the women's team has probably the highest profile that it's ever had right now. And we can only wish them the very best for the, the game against Ukraine at the end of the month and against Germany in November. Yeah, 100%. Like, I was tweeting the Germany game when they were playing and it was so nice to see the level of interaction I was getting from it. And, you know, I think uh, Sinead O'Carroll, who is the editor over at the Journal, replied to me and she was like it was so nice to be able to sit and watch a game and to interact with other people and you know actually talk about these games that we never got to watch before and you know if you were interested in women's football a couple of years ago and you wanted to watch a game you kind of had to go to the pitch and and watch it live which is like grand if it's nearby but it's not you know no one's going to be flying over to Germany necessarily for a game or have the ability to do that so I think there is a lot of optimism around what this team can do and there's a lot of hope and all I can say is I really hope they fulfill it because it would be incredible like you said it before it's in England it's in our time zone you also have things like there's the World Cup in Australia in 2023 you know it's a really exciting time for women's football and a lot of the players I have talked to especially on an international level across countries you know the US Australia England, other European teams are kind of of the belief that we could be on like a little bit of a precipice at the moment and it could just be tipping over to the point where the games are going to get even better, it's going to be even more competitive, you know, US aren't just going to run through the competition and put everyone else to shame so I think if Ireland can be a part of that, especially as some of our first major tournaments, then it'd be an incredible record for the country. I mean, we see the excitement whenever the men's team get anywhere. And I think to our credit as a nation, like when a team does do well on the international stage, we are very willing to jump on the bandwagon and get behind them. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. And it would be really great to see them take on some of like the best teams in Europe in an international competition. Yeah, and to show how far they've come in over the last few years, um, you know, the the results under Colin Bell and Noah King before that, you know, they've all been building to this qualifying series and hopefully qualification for the tournament in England. I'd like to thank Kathleen for joining us today to discuss the Ireland women's team. We are looking forward to covering the game against the Ukraine in a couple of weeks' time and hopefully we can discuss qualification for the championships in England in 2022. Come on, you girls in green.